Well, good morning, wherever you are worshiping at, all of you here in the worship center, all of you over in the chapel, everyone at our Minnetonka campus, and then anyone who is worshiping with us online. We're so glad that you are here. So we're in the second week of Advent, which is the season of waiting for the coming of Jesus on Christmas. And we're in this Advent series where we're taking a look at the idea of waiting, but especially looking at some significant life events that involve waiting and they tend to test our patience. And I think as we all know that waiting can be hard. It's not always our favorite thing to do, but it's during the seasons of waiting that we learn to rely on God a little bit more. We learn to operate in faith. We learn to better hold on to his promises. And so if you were here last week when Pastor Dan kicked off our series, he talked about waiting for marriage and how God works in and through us even as we wait. Well, today I want to talk with you about waiting during times of stress and during the storms of life. The challenge of waiting when we have great expectations for the future. And I want to talk about how we can have peace even during those times. And to do that, I want to start out by talking about waiting for a child to be born. You know, that season of waiting for the birth of a child is full of joy, but it's also full of some anxieties and also some fear. So right after Lex and I got married, we moved down to West Des Moines, Iowa for my pastoral internship. And we had this great year of growing together in our marriage and growing in faith at the church. And then the internship was over at the end of the school year. And so we had to move back to the Twin Cities so I could finish up my last year of seminary. And so we had to pack up our apartment. So we reserved a moving truck and we made sure that a bunch of family and friends would be there to help us load up the truck. And so the morning of the move, we were getting the last boxes packed and we were making sure they were labeled as clear as possible. And right then Lex handed me a greeting card. And so I opened up the card and I started to look at what it was and it said, congratulations, you're gonna be a dad. And I was shocked. But then if I read a little bit further, it said, and don't tell anyone. And then right then our family and friends came barreling through the door of our apartment. And I spent the next couple hours helping to load our truck just like in a state of shock. Finally, after everybody cleared out, Lex and I were able to talk about this amazing news. And we were able to talk about the hopes and the dreams that we had and the waiting began. And you know, that nine months of waiting was full of lots of joy, but also a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. I remember we tried to read all the books that were recommended by people. We tried to look at all the different lists of the things that you absolutely had to have if you wanted your kid to ever have any hope of being successful later in life. I remember going to the big birthing class at the hospital that we were going to deliver at. And, you know, I know men have it very easy in this process, but let's just say some of the videos they showed us added to my anxiety and my fears. 
Meanwhile, family and friends, they want to be so helpful, but they have so many questions, right? Like, is it going to be a boy or a girl? Have you found out yet? When's this all going to happen? What's this or that? What are your plans? Where are you going to register them for school? All of these different things added to our stress and our anxiety. And so again, I think we all know that waiting can be such an incredibly difficult thing, especially when we have great expectations. And now as we move into the season of Advent and Christmas, there are all sorts of expectations around the Christmas season, aren't there? I mean, most of us have great memories of Christmases of the past, and we just want this one to at least rise to that level. And we try to pull off the picture-perfect Christmas, you know, the carefully curated pictures that we can share on social media. And we want to buy all the right gifts for all the people on our list. But even during that season, the season that's supposed to be full of joy and celebration, we also know that our problems don't just go away, right? Our stresses aren't instantly resolved and that everything won't just automatically happen the way that we hope and dream that it will. All too often, life doesn't go according to plan. So I want to ask you right now, what is interrupting your peace? What is keeping you up at night, even during this Advent season? What's causing you the most stress and the most anxiety today? Is it the stress of your job as you rocket toward year's end? Is it your finances during one of the most expensive times of the year? Is it passive aggressive family members who are going to show up at your house for Christmas dinner? Is it the attitude of your children who refuse to embrace the joy of the season? You know, the truth is, We are not the first ones to experience stress and anxiety over great expectations at Christmas time. In fact, it goes all the way back to the days and the months before Jesus was even born. You know, when it comes to the Christmas story, I think our tendency is to try to fast forward quickly to get to all the good stuff. We like the angels, the shepherds, the kings, But there's actually a very deep and rich story before Jesus is even born. And I want to look at that story with you. It's in Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn there. Or if you have your Bible app, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And it's another story about waiting for the birth of a child But this story is a whole lot more traumatic and stressful than the story I shared a moment earlier. So let's read Matthew 1, starting with verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her 
quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now talk about a mix of joy and anxiety, anticipation and great, great stress, and definitely a loss of peace. Just in this period of time waiting for the coming of Jesus, I think there are some very powerful lessons that we can learn to help us find and experience God's peace amidst the messiness of life. We see in this short passage how Joseph managed and found peace in this incredibly stressful occurrence in his life. So for a moment, I want you to imagine being in Joseph's shoes. And even despite a lot of the artwork you've maybe seen portraying Joseph, maybe even the nativity set that you lay out every year, Joseph, scholars say, was more than likely a teenager. So imagine being Joseph, but also imagine being about 18 years old. Now, he probably had some pretty big dreams about the future. He was about to get married. He was thinking about finding a house, building a business, having a family. Life was going about as well as it could go. And suddenly in that moment, his life was turned upside down. Joseph must have been crushed and then filled with stress and anxiety and very, very little peace. Mary, his fiance, is pregnant. And he absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, knows that he is not the father. Now imagine the scene where Mary takes Joseph aside and shares the news. Where would your mind go? I mean, imagine all of the emotions, anger, depression, fear, maybe questioning his faith, all of his hopes and his dreams seemingly crushed. Have you ever had something happen in your life that has completely rocked your world? You know, when our world is turned upside down, when our future is up in the air, when stress and anxiety feel overwhelming, when things just don't go according to our plan, I think it's then that we find out where our peace 
is really coming from. Because far too often, we try to find peace amidst our circumstances. We try to find peace in our own abilities. We try to find peace in our bank account or our portfolio. And when something interrupts our preferred narrative in life, it's then that we see how shaky the source of our peace often is. So how do we recapture and find peace that lasts no matter what our future might hold? Well, I think the first thing that the story about Joseph shows us is that to find lasting peace, we need to be reconciled to God. See, the whole reason that Jesus came at Christmas, we're told in this text, is to save us from our sins. That is what Christmas is all about. So have you come to terms with the reality that you aren't as good of a person as you think you are, and that you need someone to come and save you. You see, even Joseph needed someone to come and save him, and he was a really, really good guy. Verse 19 says, Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Now, I think sometimes we read this verse and we think, try to be more like Joseph. He was such a great guy. Joseph had every right to divorce and humiliate Mary. He could have let the law run its course, but he didn't. He was a stand-up guy. He was always trying to do the right thing. He was operating out of love and care and kindness. You know, it's the kind of person we hope our kids grow up to be. But you know, when we start to think of ourselves as good people, you know, at least compared to everyone else, it gives a false sense of peace. Because how good is good enough? It's that nagging question deep down that is destined to steal our peace. You see, at the end of the day, all of us have a sin problem that we need to be saved from. But we really don't like to look at ourselves that way, do we? We don't like to admit that we're in need of saving. Because I mean, look at all of those people out there. Look at the way that they're acting and the way that they treat people. I mean, at least we're all at church, right? Check that off the list. We wish people a Merry Christmas and we give some money to charity, right? But look at what the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans. He's quoting the Psalms. He says, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. All have turned away. No one does good, not a single one. Church, all of us have sinned. It means we miss the mark. We've all hurt people. We've all made a mess of our lives and we need to be rescued. And if we're truly honest, deep down we carry guilt and shame for what we have done or said or how we've treated people. We all have secrets 
that we don't want anyone to find out about. But you know, that's the whole reason for Christmas. It's the whole point for Jesus's unexpected birth. Much greater than any gift you could ever find under a tree is God's amazing gift to us in his son, Jesus, because he's the only one who grew up to live a truly perfect and a good life. And he died a criminal's death on the cross to pay for all of our sinfulness and selfishness. He did that for you and for me and also for Joseph. And all we need to do is to receive his free gift with open hands. And you see, this gift of grace is the most important key to living with peace amidst the storms and the stresses of life. Well, then number two, Joseph teaches us that when we're facing stress and when we're facing anxiety in life, we need to listen to God. When everything in life seems to be falling apart or going sideways, we need to listen to God. For Joseph, an angel actually shows up. I mean, wouldn't it be great sometimes if an angel would just come and give an explanation, like, here's why you are going through this? You know, when you face an unwelcome or a stressful part of life, But you know, instead of seeking what God's answer is, oftentimes we try to figure it out by ourselves. We try to pick up the pieces on our own and move forward under our own power. Now, according to the passage we read earlier, Joseph had already decided what he was going to do. He was going to quietly divorce Mary. Seemed to be the most logical and the most responsible thing to do. It's probably the advice that he got from his parents and other family and friends. But Joseph was completely wrong about what God wanted him to do. You know, when we are in unexpected times in life, we can be certain that God has a plan and that he is at work. I mean, God might be trying to get our attention in that moment. He might be trying to teach us something. He might try to move us into a better place and a better position. And we need to stop freaking out. And instead, we need to seek and to see how God is working in those stresses and those storms. But, you know, in order to do this, it means we have to listen to him because he is speaking. And yet there are so many things in our life that keep us from hearing his voice. One of them is busyness, right? Think about how busy we are. We schedule out every hour and every minute of the day. We have so many things to do and see, and we just don't leave time for God. But then think about how noisy life often is. There's the commotion of people and work, music, social media, all sorts of different messaging, and that noise can get in the way of hearing God. And then there are other times that we just can't stop our own voice. You know, we go to God in prayer, but we can't stop talking. 
We want to tell him how to do things. But you know, when you look through scripture, you see Samuel in the Old Testament, and he heard God's voice in the quiet of the night. The prophet Elijah, he heard God's voice as a very, very quiet whisper. Jesus often got up early in the morning to go and be alone so he could hear from his heavenly father. Psalm 62 says this, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. When we quiet all the noise and the commotion around us, well, then we're better able to hear from God. And so let me ask you this morning, when's the last time that you truly slowed down and quieted yourself enough to listen to God's voice? Now, I'm not just talking about taking time to pray, which is an incredibly awesome thing to do. But if you're at all like me, my experience with prayer, again, is oftentimes just saying everything that I can think of and not taking time to listen When's the last time you've truly quieted yourself and listened for his voice? Because that is where you will find true peace. But then that leads into number three. Joseph also demonstrates for us that we need to do what God is calling us to do. One of the reasons we often don't have peace is that we don't want to do what God wants us to do. I mean, we like to be independent, right? We like to be in control of things. We don't like to be told what we can or can't do. And so I think sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and then I'll ask God to bless it in the process. Or there's other times we think, well, I'm going to bust through the door, and God can stop me if he wants to. Or maybe more often, we know exactly what God wants us to do, but we decide to do something different. I think, again, it comes down to control. Who's in control of your life? So we just talked about God wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct our paths. But it's one thing to hear from him. It's another thing to actually do something about it. Now, Jesus had a brother named James, and James wrote a book, and he said in, ver- or in chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the world and so deceive yourselves. No, actually do what it says. But think about Joseph again for a moment. God is calling him to completely change his plans. He's telling him to go through with the wedding to damage his reputation, to give up his dream of this easy, comfortable life. He's now going to have to figure out where they're going to live, how he's going to provide for a child at this young age. How is he going to deal with all the criticism and judgment from the people in his community? And he's going to have to protect this surprising new child. I mean, that seems to be far from the recipe for success, right? But I love what author Pete Scazzaro says about success. He says, success is radically doing what God has called you 
to do. Success is radically doing what God has called you to do. So let me ask you, what is God calling you to do this season? Who has he created you to be? You see, success is not defined by your bank accounts or your portfolio. Success is not defined by your title or by your accolades. Success is radically doing what God has called you to do. And when you are in the middle of God's will for your life, you will experience lasting peace. Well, then fourth and finally, when experiencing stresses and storms and unexpected circumstances, always remember that God is with you. Now, the first angel that appeared to Joseph told him, don't be afraid, which is easier said than done, right? Especially when you have an angel right in front of you. Don't be afraid. Do what God's calling you to do. Be faithful to him in the good and the bad, the ups and the downs. But it's because of this amazing promise. God is with you. Joseph is promised that his son will be named Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's that reality that changes everything. You see, you might be facing the hardest the scariest, the most complicated, the most uncertain future. You might be waiting for what's gonna come around the corner next. But when you remember that God is with you, then suddenly peace is possible. Way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, Moses is at a crossroads and God has a message for him. He says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, it would have been less than helpful for God to show up and tell Moses, be strong, be courageous, suck it up and get going. I mean, that's something we'd expect to hear from a drill sergeant or a coach, right? But God actually gives us the reason that we can be courageous, that we don't need to be afraid, that we can have peace. And it's because he is with us every step of the way. It's not because of our own great potential. It's not because of our ability. It's not because of some superpower we have. It's because he is with us wherever we go. And it's that reality that makes all the difference in the world. And that, again, is where we will find lasting peace. So church, when you're navigating unexpected and stressful times of life, when you're facing an unknown future or when you're just waiting for what life will throw at you next, Joseph shows us how to live in God's peace. Number one, be reconciled to God. Number two, 
Listen for God's voice. Number three, do what God is calling you to do. And through it all, no matter what happens, number four, remember God is with you and he is the source of true and lasting peace. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this Advent season where we get to reflect on the whole idea of waiting. God, you know that waiting doesn't come easy for us. But God, in this Advent season, help us to draw close to you. Help us to trust you more. Help us to walk forward in faith. And God, I pray for everyone today, whatever that stress or that anxiety or that thing is that keeps them up at night, that they will turn to you, that they will rely on you for their peace and their comfort and their hope. And God, as we experience your peace, help us not to keep it to ourselves. Instead, help us to share it with everyone we meet. God, help us to be agents of peace and to reflect your grace and to reflect your love. And so, God, we lift these things up to you in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. And let's all say together, amen.